Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today, Lord. Let it resonate in our heart. Let it let it enter our heart in a way where it changes us. God, we ask that you just remove all of these pre-existing thoughts and belief systems that we've had since we were kids. Lord God, change it. Allow each and every person to unlearn whatever it is that we need to unlearn so that we can move forward into progressing, progressing in a way where we can fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. So God, we ask that you just uproot all of the things that is in us, every single seed that you didn't place in us. God, we ask that you just uproot it and remove it out and replace it with those things that will enable us to have righteousness, be obedient to you, provide, provide you with satisfaction as your children. So that we can fulfill the task that you've called us to do, God. You've chosen us and called us to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. So give us the opportunity to do that by uprooting these things in our life, in our thoughts, and whatever it is that will prohibit us from fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose. God, we ask that you intervene. And we love your intervention, God, because your intervention provides a way for us to acknowledge and see every single thing that it is that we need to do and Every single thing that we need to hear from you in order for us to progress forward and move forward in life. So we appreciate your, we appreciate the plans that you have for us, God, and we have gratitude for everything. And so, God, we just ask specifically for people that are lost, that really need your help, Lord. We ask that you give them a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. And also, God, just quicken us with your Holy Spirit. Let us be obedient to the Holy Spirit at all times, no matter what. Do not allow, do not allow us, your children, your chosen ones, specifically to follow any deceiving uh, indoctrinations or any deceiving spirit. Father God, let us always be led by the Holy Spirit, allowing us to be able to see and hear people the way that you see and hear them. So we're not analyzing things from our own perspective but we're seeing life exactly the way that you want us to see it god from your spiritual perspective through the power of the holy spirit so we thank you for having access to you thank you for giving us the holy spirit and so holy spirit i just thank you so much for residing in me i ask that you continue to lead me in in the path of righteousness just giving me the ability to minister the grace to the hearer and also that which is edifying to those that need it and so, God, I thank you so much. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, please just lead me in a way where I'm not forgetting anything in this message today. Just guide me, um, specifically making sure that I'm reading the scriptures and everything that I need to to um, to reach the audience. So it's all you, God. It's none of me, but it's all you. So please, God, allow us to all fulfill your plan, will, and purpose most importantly, Lord, we ask that you let your will be done, not ours, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen. Hi, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. Today, I am finally back on the subject of women's health. Okay, this is like a trending topic for me. I guess because women's health is so important. And so... I have some scriptures and today, today I would really, really like to talk about um, just having um, patience and endurance. Um, 
it allows us to work our faith. Okay, so I want to talk about having that patience and endurance as a woman. It's so important for us to have uh, patience and endurance. And so um, just having patience and endurance for certain things. Um, I want to start out with a, giving you all like a testimony. So I have actually, I've been in like social services for a very long time now. I would say probably since around the early like 2000s. I, well, I wouldn't say early. Yeah, because I did some volunteering. I didn't put it on my resume. So I been in social services, I would say probably about 15 years now. And so I wanted to talk about um, just some of the things that I've learned in social service. So today I was talking to a, a, a lady. I actually, um, I actually help out at this uh crisis center okay and it's it's important because i'm able to provide relief to the community and so it means a re it really means a lot to me to help people if i'm not helping a person i don't feel right not helping people like i've learned that like throughout my entire life my family have like really been sort of philanthropists right my uncles, um, my dad, my especially my mom and my grandmother. So when it comes to like helping people, I've always seen other people help. Like we're always supposed to help. If you're living life and you're unable to, you know, give back, we need to be re you know analyzing ourselves when we're not giving back so it's all about giving you can have everything in this world that you want but if you can't share it with anybody it's utterly meaningless right for instance if you you know you have a big old house you have a mansion but no one lives in the mansion who what's the point of that you know so like when i think about giving i really think about you know, just giving back to people. And so now at this point in my life, uh, I was talking, okay. So I was talking to the lady that I was working with today and we talked about, you know, just having patience for people and being able to help others. And so I said to her, because this is, I, this is the truth. I said, well, there are a lot of my friends who I would not listen to with certain things. But when it comes to social services, that's one thing that I can say that I do. I listen and I don't like interrupting nobody. I want to know your story. I listen to your story. I am pretty much having reflection, reflective listening because it's so important to understand other people who are struggling. So I like listening to people that need help. Okay. So I think somewhat some people are kind of like misinterpreting what the goal is. See, the goal isn't about you making sure your belly is full. The goal isn't about you making sure that your children have, you know, these um, inheritance. Uh, it isn't about all of that because guess what? Like what I've learned is you could have pretty much nothing and you can have pretty much everything that it is that you want. Regardless of however you're raised, 
you're going to grow up and you're going to do the things that you want to do. That's it. It's no way around it. <laughs> so, you know, us parents, we kind of like raise our kids in a way where we want them to have everything that we didn't have. So, for instance, when I was growing up, me and my sister, we always shared our, our room. And so I really didn't understand that because my mom was getting so much money from my dad with child support and my dad is giving her money and he's taking care of us. So like that was so confusing growing up and seeing something like that. It, it, it was just a ridiculous situation. And so as a young woman, you know, uh, an emerging adult, I saw I'm like, okay, so my mom is basically... You know, she's using my dad. Like, what's going on? Like, I never wanted to be a woman that, like, uh, you know, use a person for anything. Because I seen that happen to my dad. And my dad, honestly, you guys, let me explain. My dad only has two kids. Me and my younger sister. I'm the oldest. And so... <laughs> It was kind of like tripped out because my, my dad wanted to marry my mom and she still wasn't trying to, you know, it was just all about the money for her. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I never wanted to, you know, like grow up and have my kids share a room. But when you even, when they, when they grow up and they see that they have their own room, it's something that's a norm to them. So my, my kids will see a day on wrong. Oh, okay. Thanks mom. Like it's nothing serious. So when we think about, you know, our plans and the changes that we want to make in our lives for our children, it's always going to want to be, it's always going to be improvement. And so what I mean by that is you always want to do better for your kids than you were when you grew up. But when your kids get older, they're going to be like, you know, thanks but that wasn't even that serious for me that isn't what i wanted you know so it's so important for us to realize the way that we are with other people is really about giving back in a way where people can receive the things that they really want and the things that they really need so paying attention by intentionally listening for instance if i am asking you you know i would really really like to go out to the river and just you know like sit back and do some journaling and talk and do you know like that but instead you're inviting me ziplining or you're inviting me you know uh to go to an amusement park that has no correlation with going to the river and journaling right and so the way we connect with people is really about meeting their needs where they are at so what this what does this all mean well let's talk about it okay this means that we should be giving to people in a way where we're meeting their needs it's not about us or what we think we can provide for other people, right? It's about being intentional. And so what does it mean to be intentional? 
Well, a lot of people, they don't really know what it means to be intentional. Okay. Intentional is important. So I want to talk about, you know, like being intentional and how um, being intentional can have a significant impact in your uh, friendships and in your relationships. So when it comes to me right now in my life, I would really say that I'm just so reserved. God just have me so reserved right now at this point. I study, I pray, I am like really building my relationship with God. And so that's so important to me, you know, and um, it feels different, you know, but it's like when you're when you're changing, you have to adapt to change. But how do you adapt to certain ways that you're not accustomed to? So let's let's go to this scripture. I want to go to the word. I love reading from the Bible. It's not always about our opinions. It's about what can we obtain from the word of God and what is specifically what is God saying to us? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Ha! Okay. So what this is saying is discipline. Period. First Corinthians 9.24. Discipline. We need to have discipline. In a race, a runner is going to prepare for that race. Right? A runner is going to prepare to win that prize. A runner is going to get disciplined and get equipped to what they need in order to sustain during the race. So let me explain this. So my, um, I, I know I explained this before on another podcast. So my daughter... Well, actually, my niece and my daughter, they're around the same age. But I believe that my my daughter is just like a few months older than my niece, right? And so they're, they're emerging adults. They're in their 20s. So they, they don't feel like you should be calling them emerging adults because they're in their 20s now, okay? But I'm going to still call them emerging adults, all right? Um, so... My daughter and I, we've had our passports for a while. And so I wanted her, well, I wanted to see, because she loved doing hair, right? And I just really thought that maybe if she had a beauty supply store, that this would really like build momentum for her, you know? And she would be a young entrepreneur. She'll be able to do like, pretty much all of the things that she needed to do financially. And so my daughter, she's had her passport. I would say, I think since she was 18, that's when we got her passport. And so she's headed for a few years, some years now. And so we were supposed to go, well, actually one of my friends opened a beauty supply store in Illinois and ended up going to Japan and they went to Japan 
and did like an import export where they actually set up like contracts with the hair manufacturers in Japan. And now they set up a shipping account. Do like FedEx, UPS, something like that, international account. And so now after they left Japan, now they just get the, the hair products and all of the products shipped directly to them. And so they have like a beauty supply warehouse, right? And so it's so it was so interesting because I was like, oh, I could I could do this and I could show my daughter how to do this. This would be a great financial investment for her to be able to produce some residual income because you're going to have repeat customers and stuff like that. So for instance, the hair, I believe, well, I don't actually wear um weave. I used to always have braids in my hair, but I believe like the, the um track hair, it maybe costs like $300 to between two and $400. And if you go to Japan or like um to one of the international manufacturers of hair, they only charge like a couple of dollars, maybe like two or $3 for a hair pack, a bundle hair in um the united states for about three or four hundred dollars so you're only gonna spend like pretty much a couple dollars for making more than a 600 percent return of in your your investment a 600 percent increase of your investment or more right so i'm thinking okay this would be good for her and I said, you know, we can go to Japan. We can get a little store. Now, most people, they, most entrepreneurs, they're kind of like, they're not prepared to get a storefront. But let me tell you something. A storefront only costs about the same amount as an apartment. That's it. So if you're looking to get a like thousand square footage store, that's going to run you maybe $900 a month. That's it, or $800 a month. It's just like the cost of an apartment. And so it's not really that expensive at all. The, the main thing is with commercial property is that you they want a payment like six months in advance, either three months or quarterly. They want you to pay in advance. So that's one of the main issues with renting commercial property. But that's neither here nor there. The main reason why I'm telling you this story is because of the fact that that was something that I thought would be a good thing for her. I thought with my daughter making an investment into hair that that would be something that will give her financial stability. But it is not. Because guess what she said to me? She said, no, that's something that my niece that's something that your niece, that's something that my cousin wants to do, mom. That isn't something that I want to do. I want to do aesthetics. So she want to do skincare. So I was like, oh, okay, well, <coughs> excuse me. As much as you do your hair, I just thought that you would probably want to sell hair. You know, it costs so much. You know, a wig is $400. I was like, oh, wow. You know, just all of the hair itself. But the point of the matter is, is that in the race for her to become an entrepreneur, it isn't about what I want. 
it isn't about the goals that I have for her, right? It isn't about me. It's about her living her life. It's about her making her choices. It's about her making her decisions. And so, yes, even though I, I would, I would have loved to see her, you know, excel in selling hair. You know, it's a quite lucrative business. The return of investment is over 600% increase. Not pretty much no overhead expenses compared to the, the, the profit margins. And so I, I say, okay, okay, okay. That's her race. So that's the point. As parents, we're going to always want the best for our children. It doesn't matter, okay? Anything that my kids want to do, my mind, God has already trained me. And I know every single business outlet, every single business venture, I've been included in it. So <laughs> when it comes to like owning businesses and operating them efficiently, if I want my kids, if they really wanted to, you know, like really do this, they have their mom, right? But the point of the matter is, is it, it is um, the things that they choose. If you're not choosing God, if you're not including God in a situation, then you're gonna be confused anyway and so this is what i mean as a parent i want my kids to be the best that they can be but i am not god in their lives see they have to run this race and they have to be equipped in this world that we live in right they got to go out here and know what they want to do and they have to be equipped with God. So I tell my kids all the time, you know, when you're making choices, you need to think about your choices. Make sure that you're including God in your decision, that you're including God in your choice. See, because yes, I would love to see my daughter become a young, wealthy, affluent. She will be an affluent entrepreneur at a very young age. But instead of her doing that, she wanted to pursue other outlets. So she's a, a she's an electrical engineer. And now she's going to school for nursing. And you know, at first she wanted she got accepted into the army. So this is only just one of my children. I have four kids. And I don't want to get into each one of their business adventures, but all of them are all entrepreneurs. So <laughs> when I tell you, it is about the race that we run ourselves. First Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So yes, we, we can have all of these things we want to help people have. We can want to give everything that we have in us to make sure that they're succeeding. 
but they have to run the race on their own. Their choices will be made on their own. Their decisions will be made on their own. They have to run this race in a way to get the prize. That means that they have to make it to heaven. We all are in a race to make the right choices and decisions. And as parents, we want to make sure that we are leading our children in the a, in a way that they should go. But in order to do that, we have to let God lead them. We have to let God enable them. And the way we support them as parents is to pray for them and let God. And so that's what I do. It's been a very difficult process seeing uh, my children become emerging adults with decisions. Right? It's like, oh, I want you to do this. Well, what about this? What, what about doing this instead? You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, no, mom, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. No, no. Okay, fine. So listen to this for a second. When we think about the goals that God has for us, his plans is higher than our plans. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a, a future and a hope. So when it comes to me as a person, I want to talk about, I now want to shift back on to me going and um at the crisis center. So when I was um basically helping out with that, the lady she said she said um so how do you like uh doing this type of work and I and I said well I love it actually you know when it comes to helping people I love helping people but when it comes to like maybe sometimes listening to my friends and stuff I may not listen to them with a lot of stuff but when it comes to people that need help. Oh, yeah, I'm intentional. So I have intentional listening. That means that, like, if you see me at work, you're going to be like, okay, this lady right here, she don't play no type of games in trying to help you. So that's the thing. We have to give people what they actually need so this is a race to help those in crisis what is the goal objective there the goal objective is listen to what they need help with so in a race to overcome obstacles in your life what's the goal how are you going to win that race? Well, you can't overcome obstacles if you're still doing making the same choices and decisions that led you to that, to that roadblock. It's like if you're in a maze and you're walking in this maze and you keep ending up at the same spot. Wait, wait, wait. Retract your steps. 
How you get back right here? How you get in the same situation with a different woman with the same problems as the last woman? How you get in this situation with the same man, but I mean with a different man, but the same problems as the old man? You having the same problems over and over and over again. Why? Because when you in a maze, how are you going to get out if you keep making the same choices and decisions? When you have an obstacle, you're going to keep encountering the obstacle. The only way you overcome the obstacle is if you learn from the same obstacle that you was presented with before. This is the same one that you keep being defeated to. How do you overcome obstacles that you've been defeated at? You ran this same race and you lost before. You tried to make... You tried to make a whole lot of money on the on that job, and then you're gonna get the same similar job and do the same thing, and you still gonna lose. They gonna still short your check. They gonna still not give you your money. How do you end up with another job the same as the last job? How do you end up with the same woman? Well, no, no, no. Clearly, she a different woman, but she do the same thing that the last woman was doing. How does that happen? So, we have to look at our discipline level. God wants us to have discipline. God is a God of order. God is a God of self-control. So, we need to have self-discipline. When we are running this race, we need to be equipped to win the prize. If you're trying to overcome an obstacle, don't keep doing the same thing that you did last year. I had to ask one of my friends. This is what I asked. I said, okay, let's take a look at life. Within the last five years, five years ago. Let's look at five years, just five years. Would you say you've improved your life or were you set back? And when I say improve, did you improve in a way? Because see, what, what it tells me that I believe, I'm going to explain this. I believe that when we, when people are without God, if we are without God and we're making choices, you're going to have a lot of problems. So that means that your improvement level is not going to be you're not going to progress that much forward because you don't have God in your life. You're not including God in your choices. You're not including God in your decisions. So you're not going to be able to have that much progression. We see people who are affluent or wealthy people all the time. And yes, it looks like they are progressing. But guess what? How much are they progressing? Like, do they have loyal friends? 
Like, you know, so you we, we're not looking at finances because when you have money, that means that when you have money, you can go do other things. You can, there's a lot of different things that you can buy with money. But you can't buy love. You can't buy loyalty. You can't buy real respect from people. Those are things that you can't buy. You can't buy dedication. You know, yes, people will be dedicated to you in your face. They will respect you in your face. They'll appear to be loyal to you in your face. It, but as long as that money is running to them, what, what you see in front of you is not going to be authentic. So what's really important to understand is that in five years, how much have you improved? It doesn't matter if you are affluent or not. Five years ago, how is your network system looking now? Five years ago, how does your family support system look now? Five years ago, how what is your relationship status? What is happening to you in your life? You have to analyze those things. No one else needs to be analyzing it besides you and God. So I asked my friend, he said, he was like, well, you know, I think I've been doing, doing good. I said, he said, but not that much. I said, okay, so what about from, what about, let's, I said, let's, let's just go back six months. Cause I started off wrong. We're going to go back six months in the last six months. How has life been treating you? Have you made any goal accomplishment? How do you feel about your relationship with God? You know, in the last year, let's go back further than that. If you don't feel like it's six months, you know, like you have to analyze yourself. We, we have to have self-reflexivity, but in order to win, in order to win this race, you need to start making different choices and decisions and quit. We need to stop looking at people at meeting our expectations of them and meet their ex meet their needs. I'm not going to say expectations because I really don't believe in supporting expectations. Expectations lead to failure. You know, expectations lead to disappointment. So I'm, I'm not into that. And God said, don't put your trust in, in men who have mere, have breath in their nostrils, who are mere human, you know, and they have breath in their nostrils. So this is important to understand that God wants us to really sit back and really be intentional with people. We have to meet their needs, not meet the needs that we want them to have. So I, I asked one of my one of my friends, they say, well, I was thinking we could go to a, a a blues gathering, like a blues festival or something like that, a blues night or something. Someplace that they have blues, wherever that is. I was like, well, what would make you think that that was what I wanted to do? I didn't ask you to do I didn't tell you that's where I wanted to go. <laughs> you know, it's like you're meeting your needs for me those are not my needs and so god began to allow me to focus and understand what this means like we're in a race and in this race we need to meet the needs of the people not the needs of what we want them to have it's like we you don't understand that that woman that you chose is in pain 
she's probably hurting on the inside. I've seen a lot of different women really hurt. Believe me, I have counseled people. I was a clinician. I have worked with people in shelters. I've been working with in social services for a long time. I, and believe me, people are meeting the wrong needs. That's what God, that, that's the message today. We need to have discipline. But the, another thing is discipline, yes, but being intentional with people will lead you to being having discipline. So once again, I'm going to say this again. We have to meet the needs of the people. Not meet the needs of what we want them to be, of what we expect them to be. Because people are hurting on the inside. They have been through some serious stuff. And if you say you love someone, then you should be loving them in a way you love them through Christ. Right? So let's go to the scripture. Luke chapter 1 verse 37. Luke chapter 1 verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail and see let me explain to you all what this means this simply means that god wants us to know that no matter what a person is going through he will never fail us see this is about the people who help other people this is about the people who you're putting these expectations on and they're not meeting your demands they can't they can't meet the demand of loyalty that you want them to have. They can't meet the demand of gratitude the way that you want them to have that gratitude. They're not meeting the demand of appreciation the way that you want them to have it. It's because, see, they don't understand what that gratitude, what gratitude is. They don't understand how to really appreciate. They've been hurt on the inside. They went through some things that they don't want to discuss with nobody. They'll make it seem like everything is okay. Oh yeah, I'm over that. You know, I'm over this and I'm over that. Oh no, no, no. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about that. No, no, no. Just worry. Just think about us. Don't think about that. Don't think about the past. But no, 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 listen. Maybe some people don't want to talk about it. And you, we have to let people, we have to let God, this is the point of Luke 137. For no word from God will ever fail. And so what that means is this. Sometimes you don't know what people are experiencing, what they have experienced. Like, for instance, my, my kids may go through something at school, you know, and they, they my daughter is like, look, I, I just want to switch programs. I don't want to, I don't want to stay at this school anymore. It's like, well, why? You know, when she first started at her first college, that's what she did. And it was quite disappointing. But, you know, like I support, I support her journey. Because she has God in her life. So I, I can trust God. 
I know that God is not going to fail me. He's not going to fail her. So we have to understand that we can't, if, when you're meeting a need, that's a, uh, it, it doesn't meet that person's need. It's meeting your expectations of them. Then you're not contributing to them. You're not helping them. It's like, I always had so many people living with me. Okay. Where I just say, look, I will not enable you not to help yourself. But one thing I can do is I will enable you to help yourself. So when you're living in my house, I don't charge no rent. I don't charge no nothing. I say, look, save all of your money. Because in six months to a year, you're going to have to move out. So I've been paying bills before you came into my house. I'm going to pay bills before even when you leave my house. So I don't need your money. I need you to save your money. So that's the thing. You know, like if we're going to really truly help people, we got to really, really get down into your heart and say, okay, I don't want to meet your needs according to my expectations. I want to meet the needs that need met in your life. And the way that we do that is we communicate with people through God's, uh, God's will. We got to come to people and have grace with them. We got to talk in a way where they can understand. Because when you let God deal with it, the situation is going to be different. It's like no one ever in life have changed because of somebody else. And if they try, if they change for somebody else, it's not going to be in the long term. That's a temporary fix. A temporary change. So the only way to move forward with that is to, you have to be willing to trust God. You have to say, God will show me how to meet their needs as your child. So your relationships with people, it, it'll turn like, it could turn flawed when you're meeting their needs according to your expectations. And not their, not their actual need. So if I'm going to a crisis center, I'm going to meet the person needs. Their needs are going to be met. Because I'm having, I want to have intentional listening. I want to know, I'm going to listen to you. So you, you get tired of talking. That, <laughs> that's how much I sit there. I'm going to listen. So you don't want to talk about it no more. You asking me, you there? I'm Yes, I'm listening to everything that you're saying. So that's the point. We have to have intentional listening for people in a way where we're meeting their actual needs. And so remembering Luke 1 and 37, for no word from God will ever fail. So God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what you're going through, you know, you have to tell, we have to tell people, look, I'm not, I am 
I'm here as a support for you. See, God positioned you exactly where you needed to be right now. So even though you made a choice and made a decision, God is saying, look, I'm going to help you get through this choice and I'm going to help you get through this decision. But if you're not including him in your choices and decision, it's going to end up exactly the way your last situation was. You have to start doing something different right now in your life. So for me, at this point, I, I made the choice and decision to just actually move away. And when I tell you, I feel sometimes like overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that I am doing. Because it's so much. Like I literally sit in the house, but I'm always busy doing something I'm reading. I, I'm having to, I'm studying, I'm praying to God. And then I'm maintaining my relationships with my friends. And it's like, okay, look, I, I need to just rest for a moment. So I'm having, I'm going through an experience in my life that I've never even given myself the opportunity to have before. Like being single, being alone. It's like, okay, God, now I'm in analyzing myself and I'm looking at areas where I need improvement. God, I need you to help me improve on this. Please help me improve on that. God, help me with this. And guess what, God? I, I need your help on this too. So this alone time have actually allowed me to have a more embedded relationship that is strong with God. And if it was up to my friends, everybody would be out here with me. And I'm like, no. Okay. I no. So that the, like that's the point. You know, it's like I need this transformation. It is transformation. God is internally working on me, working on areas of my life where I need improvement, where I need more discipline. You know, just like in for instance, in my ability to collaborate. So I don't I have been so stubborn. And I, I'm admitting to this because I love having vulnerability, okay? Because vulnerable conversations lead others to being vulnerable, okay? So the point is, is that like when it comes to my collaborations, I don't collaborate with everybody. When it comes to business, there is nothing that I don't know how to do when it comes to business. So it's like, okay. Now, I have a network of people, but I don't like doing business with everybody. So when I don't, I don't make good collaborative efforts with others, with certain people. So it's <laughs> like, God is like, look, I'm no respecter of a person. And if you are, you are my child, you don't, I don't want you being that way. So I'm like, ah, okay. So now, <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be bothered today. Okay. How did you get my number? I don't feel like dealing with this. Okay. What you need help with? You know, it's like, uh-uh, no, I can't help you with that. <laughs> but 
I'm just saying, so God is like really working on me when it comes to collaborations. For instance, at my school, every week I'm always talking about my school, but really that's because I have class all year round. My school, I'm in an accelerated PhD program. And so we have, we go to school all year round. We don't really, we, we may have, like I, we had a week off before the summer. And then I think we get like, uh, I think we get three days off or four days off uh, in December. But the point is, I go to school all year round. All year round. So when one class ends, the next class starts the, the same, the following week. It's all year round. It's nonstop. It's a private school. It's, it's like nonstop all year. Okay, and so what was really what's really interesting about this is that I've noticed with myself that previously I wasn't able to give grace when I needed to. Because when it comes to like certain individuals in higher education, I just think that many people or were some of many of the professors that I've encountered, they don't have the ability to be impartial. Was Jesus Christ had impartiality? I can give you the scripture right now. Let's let's go to this scripture. Um, hold on one second. So some people may ask, okay, well, um, what is impartiality? And so I'm not going to assume that we all have the same understanding. So I'm going to give the definition of impartiality. So the character of being impartial is freedom from bias, disinterestedness, fairness, um, impartiality of judgment or treatment so you're not biased to how you respond to people you're not biased when it comes to freedom so you are you you are exempt you don't have these biases so for instance when it comes to my kids i'm biased so i have partiality i'm partial because i'm only gonna see you know like i'm, I'm biased with my kids these are my children Okay, so I'm gonna look at things from their perspective, but you know, I'm also impartial because God tells me it's not about it's not about who's right, it's about what's right. So impartiality tells us, look, we're gonna we're gonna treat people fair and we're gonna not be biased. But when you're in higher education, you have a lot of radical behavior happening. For instance, I'm a I'm a conservative libertarian. So I support many of the economic beliefs of Democrats, some of them. But I also really really do support free market and um less government interference. So for instance, I'm going to give everybody an example and then I'm going to dive deeper into the scripture here. So, for instance, 
when I think of these corporations, these affluent corporations that have capital, meaning that they are like wealthy businesses like Microsoft, you have, um, you have Twitter, you have, uh, just different organizations like Google, you have these, um, multi billion dollar organizations. Well, these organizations are in being imposed with many sanctions. And the reason why they are sanctioned is because, well, they wasn't following this regulation or this regulation. And so it's a lot of different sanctions to re regulations, which disallows them sometimes to hire, to do like mass hiring. Because they're always being fined by the government. They're um, not able to automate. Now, I believe that automation should improve existing processes slightly. But I don't believe that there should, there should be drastic change with automation. So, for instance, replacing somebody on a job for a customer service representative where you can automate. I think that that position can be transferred to automation. But when it comes to mass hirings, who, who is doing the hiring? It's the multi-billion dollar organizations, multi-million dollar corporations. And so we need to be focusing on making sure that they are getting enough relief where they could also hire a lot of people within the community. And so we see this sort of mass hiring that have taken place with Amazon, with Jeff Bezos. He, he's the owner of Amazon. So this has happened. He has did an equal distribution of mass hirings within the entire United States. He's one of the fastest growing organizations in the United States. So that is free market. Little government interference. Can you can you stop finding them? Can you know like how do we meet them in the middle to make sure that they're able to hire as many people as Amazon have? I'm sure a lot of people would like to work, right? But how do we get other organizations to do their hiring like Amazon did? Well, it's very difficult for them when they are being imposed with so many government sanctions and penalties. Now, another thing for when, when it comes to, you know, like uh, Democrats. Yes, they want to help the poor, but no poor person wants to stay poor forever. Because now you have paternalism and that is government acting as a person's parent. So in, instead of you spending $100,000 on this person in their lifetime, why not give them the opportunity so that they can have the benefits to maybe own their own home right away and have other alternatives? But that isn't the case. Why? Because there are perks to keeping people in poverty, or isn't it? So, when it comes to my beliefs as a conservative libertarian, I've already said it. It isn't, it. I have explicitly stated it. 
So the moral of this story is that in higher education, depending on what type of educational uh, institution, academic institution it is, some of them may have impartiality and some of them may not. It isn't the actual institution itself. It's the membering body of that institution. So I, one of my friends, he said, you know, you institutionalized. He said, because of academia. He said, you're, you're academia. You're, you're so academia. You're academia institutionalized. I said, well, I would have to beg to defer on that. Because there is no way. I don't agree with a lot of different things because I have impartiality. I have freedom from bias. So it, it isn't that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting back saying, okay, uh, gay people shouldn't, you know, they, they have a right. God said it's wrong. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an abomination, right? But you still have a choice to do whatever you want to do because you have a free will. So if you choose to do what you do, you have to give an account to God for your behavior. I don't have to give an account to God for your behavior and your choices and decisions. That's your choice and your decision. So what I say in order to have impartiality is this. If you are going to be transgender or gay, lesbian, bi, whatever you are, right? Whatever identity you choose to have, how do you propose or plan to respect the boundaries of others while being your authentic self? So if you want to be your authentic self, fine. But how do you respect other people and their boundaries? That's impartiality. I'm not supporting your behavior. God is giving you that. God is giving you a choice. I don't have nothing to do with your choice. I said what the word of God say. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse three. The head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So whatever choice you choose, that's between you and God. That doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. But whatever choice that is, how do you respect other people in boundaries? How do you respect your, how do you be your authentic self and respect the boundaries of others? That's the main point. So going back here, we can see that Jesus, our God has impartiality. We can see this in James. Go to James chapter um James chapter 2 verse 1 through 3. So let's go. I'm sorry, 1 through 13. We go there first. James chapter 3. I'm sorry, James chapter 2 verse 1 through 13. So it says, "My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism." Don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. 
If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? See, this is exactly what I was just saying. But I was saying it about transgender LGBTQ community. They have a choice to be whatever they choose to be. But how do you plan on being your authentic self and respecting the boundaries of others? So, for instance, I believe in God. Am I going to force you to get baptized? Can I go on my entire neighborhood and say, hey, I'm, I'm baptizing everybody and you are you are required to get baptized today. I'm putting you in this bat in this water. I have a, a traveling bath where I'm I'm uh, traveling uh, baptism. I seen this man on TikTok. He was uh he was giving out baptisms. He's a traveling uh church. I'm just saying, how would that feel? I'm going around saying, hey, you have to get baptized or you can't live over here no more. <laughs> no, right? It's, it's unrealistic. We have to set these smart goals and be realistic, okay? We're not living in a time where the entire world is filled with Sodom and Gomorrah and abomination. There are a lot of people that are geographically scattered throughout the entire world that believe in God. And there are people who are transgender and also LGBTQ that believe in God too. The problem is, is that they don't know how to express themselves with God because they have these emotions internally and now they're like, okay, well, I would like to be this way, but you know, God doesn't want me to be this way. And see, by me going through an experience, see, I, I was attracted to women. I was in a, almost in a relationship with a woman. So I, I know for sure what it feels like to go through like, okay, I like, I like men and women. I know what that experience feel like. So God, God is saying self-control. See, oh, that's what I meant to talk about. Ooh, God is just the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So let me kind of go back a little bit. So God wants God specifically told me it was a woman that I was messing with for like three years and she wanted to be in a relationship with me. And I did not. I couldn't because that's forbidden. And I just know that if when we don't have self-control over ourselves, that's why I was talking about having self-discipline in 1 Corinthians 9 and 24. It's when we lack self-control, then we're we're out of the order in the covenant of what God wants us to be. God wants us with self-control and order. So when you see this, the serpent was talking to Eve. See, Eve produced Satan's the uh, serpent seed. 
you know, the stuff that, that when you go back into Genesis and Genesis chapter two, I believe it's verse 24. So let's go there. And then I want to go back. Um, Genesis two, I think it's 24 or, or three. It could be three. I think it's three. So every, everything can go back to everything. Go back to Adam and Eve. See, when we go back to Genesis chapter three and verse, what well, verse is this? Um, Genesis three, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. See, she was deceived by the animal. This is the first thing that that is not good. She was deceived by a serpent. So nobody should even be trying to entertain an animal in a way that is that is um that's sexual or anything. So God puts everything in this world for us to have order. There are people that want to marry animals. Should they marry animals? Should they a person be allowed to marry their fish? Should a, should a person be allowed to marry their dog? Should someone be allowed to marry their horse? Should someone be allowed to marry their cow? Should someone be allowed to marry their cat? Well, absolutely not. Because if there is no order, you have an anarchy society. So God is a God of order. And he stipulated it that way so that we can have self-discipline. It's all about discipline. And what I noticed was I can't sleep with a man and woman a long time ago and be like, fine with that. That was fine. That was because that wasn't discipline. I didn't have discipline. And God doesn't want us to be that way. So the the one guy that I was with, he made sure that he tell me that that was, he said, you know what? Women don't supposed to sleep with women. You're going to go to hell if you keep doing this. And I was like, you don't want to have a threesome with her? Like, I want, I want her and you at the same time. Like, that's the way I used to feel. Like, I'm just being very honest. And so it didn't work out that way. It was like God used that person to come into my life and tell me just like this isn't right by God. God wants you to have discipline. And I already I talked about this on a previous podcast on 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 um women's health. So if you go through the um podcast, you'll understand what I mean by um you know just having discipline when you are having you know, uh, in, in inconsistency with your sexual desires. Okay. Cause of like being attracted to a man and a woman was not ever something that God implemented. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. And so that's the order that God has it. And he has it that way for a reason. So 
when we look here, we see for no word from God will ever fail. So we have to meet a person's need according to their actual needs, not our not meeting their needs according to our expectations of them. So let's look at um let's go back. I was looking at uh favoritism. So let's go back. James chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. I, I read 1 through 4. So now you have a person who has a gold ring and fine clothes, and they come in and they get special attention, right? So in verse 5, it says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. So people that are actually poor in the eyes of the world are really rich and wealthy. In verse 6, it says, but you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? See, so like in verse 8, it says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So speaking act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So let me explain to you. See, God, he gives me all of these scriptures because like I've overcome these situations. Okay. And I'm, I, I promise I'm telling the truth. So, like, for the instance, this one right here, okay? It says, if you, if you believe that you could not be judged, when, you, when you're judging people, so, for instance, there are some people that I will not work with. It's some people I just do not like working with. Because specifically in higher education, because they are biased very subjective some of some professors are very biased there is no room for no impartiality none whatsoever and i mean when i tell you it becomes a rigorous process because if you i i got into it with one professor and it made it was a ripple effect all of the rest of his working family members because your job is really a second home so we have to have mercy on people when we're judging them and so i say okay god well you know this this here is not right it isn't right god and god said well you think it just started with you do you believe that you are the first person that has been treated this way. 
And I said, no, I don't think I'm the first person that's been treated this way. I really believe in my heart that, yes, these things has been going on. They just hasn't been as elevated as they are with me. So it's like what, what God is saying is you are most likely not the first person who's went, who have went through this experience. And so whatever your experience may be, whatever you're enduring, whatever hardship or adversity that may be, guess what? There is somebody else in this world that overcame it. And so I say, okay, God, well, how, how do you do that? I mean, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to just graduate so I can do everything that I need to do. And God said, look, did, didn't I tell you that you're going to fulfill my purpose? You are going to fulfill my will? No. And I say, yes, God, you did. Yes, you did, Lord. So what this means is that now how are you going to pray for your professors? How can you pray for the people who want, who you believe want to see you fail? How can you pray for your enemies? So yesterday after the prayer, the um Sunday prayer line, God was just talking to me. And I was, I was, I was praying to God. And so God said, Look, I want you to set aside a prayer for your enemies. And so I just started praying for my enemies. And it was like, God, I was like, God, help my enemies. Like, God, really get into their heart and help them change and become good people, God. You know, like, let them understand who you are. Let them understand who you are. Because, like, I, what, what I'm, I'm telling you is that God does not want us talking about nobody. If you're not having mercy. And that's what this scripture says. That's exactly what this is saying. James 2, 1 and 13. So if you look at James 2 verses 12 through 13. This is what I mean by being very, very specific. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So I, I, I say, okay, God, you know, I really didn't even want to tell you about the situation. I know you that you already know, but I would really like to see that person change their heart, that that person change their life, that they do better. That's what I would like to see. And I told God, you know, like I say, God, you know, it's so hard. For me to pray for myself, just for myself alone. I can't, I don't just get on my knees and pray for myself. 
when I'm praying for people, like I, every single day that I pray, I never just pray for myself. So like my friend, um, the other day, he said, you know, like who praying for you though? Cause I, I be praying a lot. And so he was like, who praying for you? I was like, I don't know. I guess y'all praying for me. everybody. My friends praying for me, you know, but really God intervenes. So my, my true strength is coming from, um, my relationship with God. Because my relationship with God allows me to repent for any and everything that I feel on my heart that is wrong. So, like, for instance, when I'm praying, I literally was talking to God uh, the other day and was like, God, it's, it's, it's difficult for me to pray for myself by, on, alone. Like, I just get on my knees and just pray for myself and that's it. Oh, no. When I pray, I have to pray for everybody. It takes me at least about uh, about 50 seconds just to include everybody that I'm praying for. So the way we go to the table of God, the way we go to the altar, God's throne of grace, we got to go there having mercy already in our heart because he already knows what's in your heart. Because of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gives you access to God. God is examining your heart through the Holy Spirit. So, like, when I'm feeling something, I promise God, God come to me, he say, why do you just, why do you pray for everyone and never pray for yourself? It just for yourself. Cause I never literally not, and I did not pay attention to that. Like I literally, every time I pray, I always pray for everybody, including myself, but I never just specifically set a time, uh, set time aside and, and just pray like five minutes or a couple minutes just for myself. I don't do that. And so I told God, I said, you know, the relationship that I have with you is so powerful that I just know that my conversations with you is my prayer because I tell you everything. And so it's a scripture here. Um, so that, that was one of the scriptures on, um, impartiality. There is another scripture on impartiality too. It's in uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Let me go there. Matthew 22 and verse uh, 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the same thing. But so when we looking at all of this stuff, in order for us to have endurance, we have to have the ability to have mercy for other people. Mercy is basically giving them grace. It's like, okay, you know, like, for instance, 
my school literally uh well not my school i don't know why i said my school i i'm saying the finance director the people in finance the lady messed up my financial aid so they finally got it switched and and, and figured out after over two weeks okay so i had to send an email so many different things it was just so much and then so finally get it right and then i say well see giving a person grace gives them the ability to have enough time to respond to you so if i ask my son i say son i need you to cut the grass he like okay mama i got you mom i got you and he like okay mom i got you i got you but if you don't get me that day then it's gonna be a problem so i had to go back and say okay see god that's not grace you know like i gotta talk to my son and say you know i ain't mean to get upset with you for not cutting the grass son but you know like just be more considerate you know you see the grass you see that the grass need to be cut you know so just go cut the grass without me having to ask you to do it and so that's that's just about me not rushing him but understanding that okay he's a maturing adult or emerging adult and he needs to you know figure out when things need to get done they just need to get done without somebody having to micromanage you because see i'm not a micromanager i am your mom i don't micromanage you i love you but i know that god has given you enough understanding where you know right from wrong and so that's the thing with endurance we need to have endurance with people in a way where it allows us to just you know have have this grace for them too so when we look at um let's look at uh hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 it says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of god you will receive what he has promised see when we when we let go and let god that means that we're allowing god to do what he needs to do and as far as influencing a person's choices influence a person's decisions we are supposed to just be there as a support system we should be supporting one another encouraging one another but if you're doing anything in life without including god you're guaranteed to recycle your mistake if not even worse and i've already talked about recycling mistakes and what that can do so we've, I, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now about recycling mistakes. God wants us 
to me mature in his word. And I can tell you that I know for sure is that when we do make mistakes, God changes the trajectory of the situation. God changes the outcome. He changes the results. But your will, your free will authorizes God to change your outcome, to change your results. Because if you're recycling your mistakes in this relationship, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a recycled problem. Now you're about to have another recycled obstacle. You're going to have a recycled barrier. And it don't stop until you learn not to recycle those barriers. Not to recycle those mistakes. So I always say, God, you know, like, what, what do you want me to see in this? What, what is it you trying to show me? What is it that you want me to do different? We have to ask God, God, what is it that you want me to know? What are you trying to teach me from this situation, Lord God? I don't want to be like the Israelites who took 40 years to learn something and it could have took them 10 days. God, teach me, show me today. Show me within the hour what you mean. Please, God, I will pray to God to the point where I feel like, am I getting on God's nerve? <laughs> because I want to know, God, okay, so God answers me. God answers me right away. And that's the truth. Because I'm coming from a place like, look, God, I got this dedication in me right now with you. And I, I just want to know, what do you mean? But what are you trying to show me? What does this mean? If, if I see something that I'm unsure about, it could be on TikTok. It could be on Facebook. It could be on Twitter. It could be on LinkedIn. It could just been a new policy created. It could be a conspiracy theory. It could be something that somebody else is posting that they want to know. I'd be like, God, look at this. I was just reading this, Lord. I, I'm just trying to understand what is it that you think about this situation, God? What is it you think about this perspective? What does this mean, God? Because I want to know, I'm trying to understand from your perspective, not man. So I would like to know why do Elon Musk want to, to keep on shooting the space shuttle every two days next year? He's been doing it every three days this year. So next year, his goal is to put the space shuttle in the, uh, you know, to try to leave Earth every two days so what what is this gonna come to lord god says you know what the prophetic word says god said be prepared for my return so it's like the more and more stuff that's happening around the world it's like oh god am i am i i think i'm ready <laughs> i don't want my man to even slip up into no lustful thoughts or nothing like that it's like, <laughs> I'm like, God, forgive me for thinking about 
that lust okay i take my thoughts into captivity for anything that would exalt itself above your knowledge oh god i make my thoughts obedient to christ right now in the name of jesus christ i make our thoughts obedient to christ i get the prayer from all my kids now i'm praying for my mama my sister my niece my my everybody so that's what i'm saying like you know, we, we have to be in constant prayer about everything. God wants us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Prayer is a conversation with God. Anything I want to know, I ask God, period. Like I've been reading, I've been reading my whole life. Like I, I love learning. I love reading. I love writing. But I love talking to God. I tell you that much. Now, this I'm on a I'm on a I'm on a uh winning streak. And I mean that. So it's like, okay, God, I want to know. Let's talk. What is it that you think about this? So God was just telling me, are you ready? If I was to come right now, are you ready? are you ready are you ready to go with god when he returns are you ready to be stuck in tribulation because i don't think a lot of people understand what's gonna happen well you know like during the tribulation period the bible talks about it says that people will want to die and they will not be able to And so, like, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So, this is why I had prayed yesterday when I said, you know, God, you know, like, we are fearless in this world. And we only fear you. So it's important for us just to know where God's position is. Like, yes, Elon Musk, he's a he's a brilliant guy. And he's trying to do everything that he can to help make the planet multi-planetary. But is that what's is that what God's plan is? You know? It's like you can have so much wisdom, but in order to have real wisdom. Real wisdom have to come from God who created it. So it's like, you know, let's let's go to um let's look at the parable of uh the Pharisees and the tax collector. It says, um, this is in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. It says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but
but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I tell you that, that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See? So how do you humble yourself? You see the test collector, he's talking about God having mercy on him. That's the point. Like when you're messing up, how are you coming to God? You know, when you mess up, it's like, God, I, I know that I messed up. Like, I want to be ready when you come. I don't want to have no like bad thoughts and stuff. <laughs> like soon as you come, God, I want to be ready. I don't want to be thinking about no lust, right? Or thinking about no sex. Why am I thinking about that? So that's, that's all we have to understand. It's okay that we become vulnerable to God. We may not become vulnerable to people because people will fail. It's like one minute you open up to a person, like for instance, it's, there is a man that wants to marry me, right? And so I'm just like, I'm in between like, okay, I want to get married. But then I'm like, I don't want to get married because I want to make sure that I'm marrying the right person. And then God, the, the Bible tells me, <laughs> the Bible tells me so much stuff about marriage. And I just really don't want to disappoint God. And it's like, okay, if I get married, then that means that, my time and, and focus that I have on God is going to be pulled away a little bit because then I'm going to have to attend to the needs of my husband. And so like God is saying that I have to trust him, you know? And so today, well, well, actually last night, this is, this is the message that God gave me. So I, I pray every, when I was praying, I prayed last night. And as I was going to sleep, I'm like, oh, it's cold. It's it was cold in the house. So, like when it when it's cold like that, I just get up under my cover. I did not even cut my heat on or nothing. I just stayed under the cover. But I was like rubbing my arms and stuff and my legs and touching my feet. I'm like, oh God, I'm cold. And so God said, This is why you were created to be a helpmate. Because two is better than one. And the Bible says that the, I, by me being a helpmate, that means that God has my, my husband is out there, you know? So it's like, God is saying, look, he did not create your husband to be alone. That's why he created me to be a helpmate for him. So it's like, okay. So where is the husband at? Because I'm trying to figure out, I don't want to be confused about nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes you could, a person may say they want something and then all of a sudden that's not something that, you know, it is really what they want or that's something that you really want. So you need to make sure that God is saying that this is okay. So for me, Making sure that I'm I'm doing things coming from a a good space in my heart. You don't just get married. Well, some people do get married because if because the Bible says that if you were 
basically, let, let me go to that scripture. I want to go to that scripture. So the Bible says, um, so if you burn with lust, then you should marry. It, it says that, uh, this is in first Corinthians chapter seven, verse nine. But I want to kind of look at the whole scripture here. So let's look at, uh, first Corinthians chapter seven. Okay, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So, if, you're, if you don't have that control, then you should marry. And it's like, I think that marrying for that reason, I don't know if that's right. Like, I, I feel like I should be stronger, uh, stronger than having to marry because of passion that's on the inside. That means that like you're feeling like you have these desires that you need to be fulfilled. It's like, no, I want to be able to have control in a way where the Holy Spirit is leading me. So I shouldn't have to feel like I'm uh, having all this passion inside of me where I just have to get married, right? I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing before God. And so going back to the tax collector here in Luke, we see that this tax collector, he didn't even want to, you know, he stood at a distance. And that's, that's the type of guilt and shame that you have when you're, when you're in repentance, when you're like, God have mercy on me, a sinner. It's like, okay, God, I messed up, you know, like I messed up. How could I go and have sex? And I knew I was not supposed to do that. Like I felt so bad. You know, and so I felt bad because it was like, okay, so I'm how can I get me into my flesh like this? You know, and so we have to understand it isn't us who allows ourselves, we don't allow ourselves to have control. We authorize God to give us the control through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we do everything in our own power, we will fail. So we need God to give us the strength that we need to sustain. So God says that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So our weakness should give us the ability to stand before God with a humble heart. Of humility, like God, I messed up. Like, like the way I feel, really, I don't want to mess up when God is about to return. God is about to return soon. I believe that all of God's children can feel it. Like we all can feel it. So it's like, okay, so are you ready? Are you ready and prepared to to you know 
take the blessing that God is giving you with eternal life? Or are you prepared to stay left behind? So that's all we have to think about as children of God. So um, that's all I have to say for tonight. Um, We need to have self-discipline, have endurance by making sure that we can depend on God's promise. That's why, you know, checking off with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So think about how you are um, doing the will of God. You know, yes, there's options out here for you, but does that mean that you have to partake in those options? Maybe... Maybe this is the husband who God has sent to you. Or maybe that is the wife who God has sent to you. How are you going to do things different now than you have in your past? So you have to maybe let go of some things in order for you to move forward into completing God's will. So I'm going to end on that note tonight. Um, there is one more scripture I want to look at, though. Here we go. If we go to uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what God was telling me with this is that He's not as harsh as some people think. God is not as harsh. Some people think that God is so harsh. It's like, you got to just do this. God wants you to do that. God is just like, he just walk over. Like God just wants you to do this, do this, do this, do this. And he just wants you to do a whole bunch of stuff and not be happy. God wants you to do things and be happy during the process. But we see in in the where Sodom and Gomorrah when Lot and his wife and kids were fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah his wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt because she was holding on to the things of her old life so she couldn't move forward to the outcome of what God was trying to give her God wants us to let go of our past I was looking at somebody, a, a recent friend on my Twitter account, and I was going through their page. And on their page, it said, you could turn your back on me, but you cannot turn back to your past. You could turn your back on me, but you can't turn back to your past. And so that was a very interesting quote because I'm like, wow, that is that is Lot and his family when he was fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't turn back to your past. Don't look at it. Just look at the promise that is ahead of you. Think about God's promise ahead of you. If you're in a situation right now, get on your knees and pray to end your situation right now. If you're in a uh, a relationship where you all don't agree on anything. Get both of y'all get on your knees and pray to God. You have to include God some point in your life. So that's it. 
Okay. Um, so let me go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us your word today. Thank you for showing us in Matthew 22 and 39 that you have impartiality. Thank you for showing us that in your word in James chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. God, thank you so much for just giving us your word. And so we ask that you allow us to have impartiality where we can have freedom from biases and be able to look at people and hear them the way that you see and hear them, God, and let us be able to be open with within our own lives and have vulnerability so that we can, you know, change the things in us. And that way we can help other people improve in their life. You know, God, because it's really about us growing and satisfying your plan, will, and purpose. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about how we can satisfy your plan, will, and purpose and 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 in our lives through our testimony that can impact the lives of other people. For some of the same reason you give out miracles. It's the miracles you give in this world. It is because you are impacting the non-believers. You're also impacting the believers. So our testimony is for your glory. Our lives is for your glory, God. Allow us to meet the needs of other people with their actual needs and not the needs of the expectations of what we want for them the way many parents do their children for me like i've been doing my kids for so long trying to meet the needs of the expectations that i have for them and god i just want to meet the needs of their actual needs that you have planned for them so show us the things that we need to work on so that we can work and improve in our lives in a way where we can help people and really help them. But let us help them through you, God. Because you are the one that can ultimately influence the choices and decisions of everybody all at once. So your power is great. So, God, we just ask that you please allow your power, your Holy Spirit to continue to lead us into righteousness, into freedom of biases, into being able to be genuine to other people, authentic with other people, no matter what we believe. God, let us unlearn whatever it takes for us to fulfill your plan, will and purpose. And let us do this with joy. God, for all of the people who feel that you're, that is boring or they're not happy or they don't have joy when they're, you know, like praying it to you or changing their life, God, show the world how exciting you can be. Your children, God, you are so exciting. And so we appreciate you specifically when it's time to praise and worship God, you are you are awesome, God. You give us peace that transforms all understanding. So let, let your children, specifically those that are lost, experience the peace that comes from you, God. 
God, we ask that you continue to allow us to submit our will to you, God. We come to your throne of grace, God, and we ask that you just orchestrate what needs to be orchestrated in our lives so that we can fulfill what is required of us. So that we can have the peace that we need. So that we can live a life of abundance. A life of prosperity. To be a lender and not a borrower. So God, we thank you right now that your plan, will, and purpose will be fulfilled in our life no matter what. But most importantly, Lord, we ask that you let your will be done. And you make sure that we don't show favoritism. We need, we want freedom from bias. God, set us free and deliver us from any and all things that would try or even attempt to prohibit us from fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose. Free us from it. Allow us to be ignited with the zeal of your Holy Spirit. Reignite the Holy Spirit in us, God. God, allow your Holy Spirit to have dominance inside of us. Let the Holy Spirit take residence in us. So we thank you right now. We give you glory, praise, and honor. And most importantly, Lord, thank you for just tuning your ears to hear our voice. We appreciate you. And so we ask that you please allow your will to be done, not ours, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. All right. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight. I will see you all tomorrow. You have a good night.